Long, way outside for the three. He's got it. He's got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. And hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 Podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is a distraught Suns fan, Ishmael Johnson. All right. Ish, how are you holding up? All right. Today, uh, how, I wasn't how expecting you doing? this. Wasn't expecting this intro. Um, I am holding up. It is two two. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Going back to Phoenix. Um, did not like the way Game Three played out. Uh, if we're being our Game Four, sorry, game played four. out. If we're being honest, but I like the way Game Three played out. But uh, yeah, Phoenix, please find another ball handler um, in the next couple of days because <laughs> that's uh, it's kind of what needs to happen. Campaign's not getting it done for you. Can't listen. Damn. I I I am I was firmly on the campaign bandwagon last year. Um, he's been really good this year. He's been fine this year. He hasn't been as good as he was last year. But there is a perfectly good, barely used Aaron Holiday on the bench that I think needs some run. Uh, so hey, yeah. man, we we'll see. We'll see. Pelicans are well, tough. Pelicans it, are tough. It's a, no, tough no, like Devin I, Booker. Like, that's the one thing, like, you know, Willie Green, of course, was a former Suns assistant. Like, I'm, I'm happy he made the playoffs and, like, they just kind of adopted his personality. And, like, he, you can mm-hmm. tell he also knows how to guard a lot of the Phoenix players, especially without Devin Booker. But, yeah, yeah it's just a lot. <laughs> Not fun going against the uh, old assistant. Nope. Ask Chris Beard. With that transition, <laughs> uh, we have a lot of transfer portal t- news. Once again, I was, you know, I think on Friday or so, I was like, man, we don't have a ton to talk about this week. And then I don't remember when exactly the Kendrick Davis news dropped, but, and then Kendrick Davis dropped his decision. And I think a couple of days before we had, he had a top five of whatever it was, Texas tech, Texas, TCU, Houston, and Memphis, I believe it was yeah. something like that. And Kansas, okay. It was Kansas and not Texas. I think that's what it was. Right. And we we're like, okay. These are understandable, you know, except for Memphis, you know, obviously, you know, go play at one of these, these teams. And I, I was saying Kansas personally, probably, you know, mm-hmm. that makes sense. He ends up going to Memphis, Kendrick Davis, the star at SMU the past few years, one of the best players in Texas goes to Memphis to play for Penny Hardaway. Yep. Um, favorite coach in the country that was just a yeah, an incredible decision that I feel like we could spend like an hour on in itself. But mm-hmm. wh- where do you want to start with this? What was your reaction? I know we texted about it, but what was your reaction for the people listening? Um, for the sake of censoring myself, my first reaction was, Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> oh darn. Oh, darn. That's the G-rated version. Um, <laughs> because obviously, as a Texas podcast, we, I was looking forward to potentially seeing him at Tech or TCU or Houston or something. Um, 
but yeah, that was that. My and then I, I guess I, I had penciled my. If he didn't go to Texas, I thought it was gonna be Kansas, right? I thought Kansas was a made ready-made spot for him. Um, and then when Memphis came out, I kind of was like, all right, there's got to be some like nil potential there, and probably he's you know has probably something he signed there and Memphis's roster is more cleared out than those other places. So like, he'll probably feature pretty heavily there. Um, Cause you know, Penny likes to, you know, kind of wipe this slate clean and kind of go with, you know, a, a new, yeah a new team. So um, good for him, man. I, I guess I'm just like, I just, I don't, I, I don't like him going back to the AAC, especially to a program. That's not a guaranteed lock for the tournament. I mean, you sent me something that said they might be like have sanctions. Also, at this that. point, right? <laughs> like, like at this point, like there, there's there's a possibility. Stuff. Yeah, there's a possibility that that could yeah. happen. I think this 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 decision told us a lot about what Ken, Kendrick Davis wants. He wants a future. Mm-hmm. He wants the ball in his hands first and mm-hmm. foremost, which we know. And I think he, any of those places he would have gone to, he would have had the ball in his hands plenty. I, I don't think anybody recruiting him was like, oh, you know, you'll be a combo guard and doing this and that. I think you recruit Kendrick Davis with the idea of him being a Marcus Sasser, with him mm-hmm. being a featured ball handler in your offense. And I also think we found out Kendrick Davis kind of either A, is, could get an NIL deal from Memphis, maybe could get other places, mm-hmm. uh, but B just doesn't re- isn't worried about making the tournament, isn't worried about winning at a high level, and goes to Memphis probably based off a relationship with Penny Hardaway or and whoever else is on the coaching staff, and I guess is only worried about his pro prospects uh, to a degree, yeah, which is nothing yeah. wrong with it. But uh, you no, know, I was about to say like there's that that's kind of what I wanted to hint at was that you know he's a father now. Like there is something to be said about, you know, but hold, having, well, here, hold on. I, this is where I, I get confused because if, if you're worried about your pros prospects, yeah. why not just go pro? I mean, that's possible, right? It's possible. Um, but it's also like, he, I think there is part of them that just, that does want to make the tournament and why not make the most money you can right now? Possibly. Right. I don't know, but I would, I would presume that his NIL deal, I think uh, Billy Embody over on, on three tweeted out that there is going to be a lucrative NIL deal coming with it, um, coming with his Memphis commit. Why not do that and try to put yourself in, in what maybe what he figures is the best, right? I don't think Memphis is that is yes. definitely if tournament was the only thing, I think Kansas would have been the move, obviously. obviously, but maybe they weren't offering something. Maybe they weren't featuring him the way he wanted to be featured the way that, you know, Penny Hardaway will clear out the decks for him. Right. Um, and so I think there were a lot of things that went into this. I think Memphis probably might've offered the most, but also he's going to have the ball. Also they can probably make the tournament because he knows Penny Hardaway is going to try to shoot for that. You know, he, he's not a coach who likes to quote unquote rebuild. He'll, he'll get in talent. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things that went into it. Um, my frustration, I guess, is just as, a, you know, my incredibly biased <laughs> uh, frustration is that, you know, we don't get to cover him as much. And he's also not leaving a situation that's that much better than SMU, I guess. Um, we're looking at it from a pure basketball perspective, right? Yeah. We don't see it from whatever he's, whatever he's trying to think, right? This will be best for my pro prospects. This will be better for the NIL, whatever. Like, and I could probably make the tournament. 
you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe Penny sold him on like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to get like two more dudes just like you. Right. Whether it's via high school or reclassification or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, the, and that's the whole thing for me. And that's why I asked the question, why not just go pro? Because I don't think his, his, I don't think his stock could be any better mm-hmm. than what it is. Like, I, I really that's don't fair. like based I off really the last two years, this point, it's just a, like not enough people nationally know about him. Right. Like because of he's the AC player of the year. Yes. But there's still that little bit of kind of cult status that I, you can get from making the tournament. Yes. Cause like if he, if, even if they would have lost in the first round, if he dropped 29, right. People would be like, man, that SMU, I guarantee you there are so many people, not people like us, but like just in general, so many people that are like, who is this guy? Who would have been, who would have yeah. been like, who's this guy? who's shooting insane, who's controlling the tempo. Who's, I, so I think that's the only thing he's missing from his pro resume, which can skyrocket somebody's stock. Like, you know, yes. I felt like he would have been like a late first rounder. He can work his way. He could have worked his way forward, in my opinion, just off hype alone, if he had like one good tournament game. Or maybe even they won the NIT or something. The NIT run wasn't what they wanted either. I, I feel like everything I say and everything that, that we say is kind of, can be easily maneuvered to another program. Like mm. everything we're saying about Memphis, there none of these other teams that we're talking about can't match what Memphis does, except mm-hmm. Memphis has Penny Hardaway and Memphis could have. Let's just say that Memphis paid the most. Let's just say Memphis had the best NIL. Let's just say those mm-hmm. two factors are the only thing that Memphis has over the other teams that we that are that were in the mix here, right? right, right. They're not closer to home. They're not, you know, all these things. They're not in a better conference, nothing. And so that's where I, that's why I keep going back to, it has to be those two things. And also I feel like, you know, let's say he gets more from the NIL than he would from being a second round pick for whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Great. Awesome. But also next year, when you enter the draft, you're going to be a year older, you know, you're going to, let's say you have an average year. Let's say you have a good year. Let's say you have the same year you had pretty much at SMU, um, you know, except maybe a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think the draft stock goes up at that point, And I think it's going to be difficult. So sure. I, I, this doesn't make sense to me. I, I, we trying to reason with it. I don't think to me, it doesn't make sense. And I don't think it would be, is the best option, but obviously I'm not in his shoes and I don't know everything that he, looked at and saw so i'm not gonna say that you know it was a a not smart decision but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me at all and i think that that's fine i i I get it i mean i i do but i i don't know i think age is becoming as far as draft stock goes yeah like obviously younger the better but like i don't know we're kind of seeing teams if you're good enough to be on the team i feel like you're you're gonna break through and i think he has that mold of somebody who you know probably isn't gonna be bet on as a lottery pick right obviously but i think is somebody who as a specialist or as a, as somebody who like you do a thing that's so good that we're gonna t- we're gonna put this we're gonna take this chance on you like i mean we're watching it right now in my opinion with with the pelicans right herbert jones jose alvarado those dudes are like 24 but they're rookies right and I think there's starting to be ways to where um, 
I think AO uh, who plays for the Chicago Bulls is another yeah. one. He went high on the draft, but you get what I'm saying. Like not everybody's just drafting 18 year olds anymore. I think there's some value to taking the 22, 23 year old who, you know, I think Kendrick Davis will be 23 around next time's draft. So he's, I, I his birthday is May 4th. So he's 22 right now. Okay. So and he'll be 24 next year. He'll be, yeah, he'll be 24 at the time of the draft. Uh, since we're not going to be talking about Kendrick Davis as much anymore, I have a question. Do you think his game translates? Let's project. Do you think his mm-hmm. game translates to the NBA? Well, like you, the players you named Jose Alvarado, let's, I mean, you can yeah. go through it. Yeah, t- totally different players, right? I but, uh, yeah. But, but I get the point. Um, yeah. You go down any, any team, there's probably like a six foot role player that's mm-hmm. just doing his job and whether it's defense, whether it's scoring, whatever it is, because I, I say this because it's hit or miss a lot of the time. Sure. Specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. for offensive players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you look at a Carson Edwards and you're like, all right, you know, what happened to him? I look at them in the similar, in a similar vein. True. I don't know if how Kendrick Davis projects as a pro. Right. Um, that's fair. I think looking at what he kind of does, because I don't think he's Tyrese Maxey. I, I, oh, I don't. Sure. I, right, Tyrese right, yeah. Maxey. He's not somebody who's going to come off the bench and drop 25 in his first of, playoff series, right? Ty, Tyrese Maxey out of, out of college was kind of – I mean, he was a mid-first-round pick. I think he went 16 or 15 or so. Sure. But, like, out of college, you could kind of tell he's a little more explosive, you know, mm-hmm. has so that first step that can create more. But So that's what I'm trying to figure out. As a point guard, that's a score-first guard that doesn't – get to the rim as Mm. efficiently doesn't defend at a high level i look at him kind of like a carson edwards and i'm curious i'm curious if if that if that works out for his his um for his pro future sure i yeah no i i think his game does translate but i think it translates in the sense i think he's a backup point guard Mm -hmm. right i think he is to me i think he's more or less a perfect second unit general to be like all right, you have a star point guard or whatever, Damian Lillard or whoever. I'm not saying, you know, I'm just saying a point guard. And you need somebody to where the offense doesn't die out when you go to the bench. I could see Kendrick Davis filling that role where it's like, oh man, they got this guy who just keeps it. Like somebody like a Tyus Jones, right? Like Tyus Jones for the Grizzlies. Um, not big either, similar frame. Like uh, I think Tyus Jones might maybe be a little bit more lengthy, but mm-hmm. uh, same height, roughly same build. And you just know the ball's not going to get turned over. He's going to shoot the ball really well. And he's going to get you some points off the bench. Like, you know that the offense isn't going to crater when this guy's in. And I think that's his, I do find him at the, in that role eventually. Um, it could be after a little, it could be even after like a little G league stint. I don't know, but I do think he's somebody who, in a, you know, you'll see and you need, you need, you desperately need a point guard that can just give your guy rest because as we're seeing in a lot of these playoff games, so many point guards go to the bench mm-hmm. and then there, there's a lack of to me in quality point guards just in general um yeah. but especially two deep point guards where something happens to the first guy and the offense just dies out right we see that with the jazz seeing that with phoenix i mean even with um outside um mavericks with jalen brunson like it's like even when he goes it's like all right what kind of happens here yeah um i'm just thinking of other players well wrap this up but like yeah he can be if he can shoot the ball at a high level which i i project he can be i mean patty mills just off the bench kind of just right. someone who comes in and sprays yeah uh for a bit and can run your offense a little bit pretty well so i i think it's gonna be interesting like i said probably won't be talking about kendrick davis too much here unless until houston and smu play him um at memphis which is crazy to think about smu 
against Memphis will be Kendrick Davis on Memphis. Oh my God. We got some breaking news that I'm very happy about. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Drop it. Texas Tech's Marcos Santos Silva. According to Joe Hoy, who tweeted out his, his quote tweeting. Actually, no, it's on Twitter. It's Marcos Santos Silva tweeted out. He assigned an agency deal to guess, guess what to do. Is he going pro? He's going pro as in, fo- in the NFL. He's going football. He's trying out for tight end. Oh, who won? Wait, who won our Mark Vidal award? Who won the Mark Vidal? But we got to give who we give it to. You to Marcus. Well, sorry, Marcus, give that back. No, whoever whoever won it is going. It's going to Marcus Santos Silva now. We did it. We we did. We're manifesting this. Who won that award for us? I have no idea. Yo, I think it was uh, it was Marcus Weathers, wasn't it? Was it Weathers? I think it was Weathers. All right. Well, sorry, Marcus Weathers. It's going to Marcus Santos Silva. That baby back. It's going to Marcus Santos Silva. Six seven two fifty. Let's go, Marcus Santos Silva. <laughs> Round of applause for the winner of the Mark Vidal Award. Oh, Marcus Santos Silva. Let's go. Wow. Oh, let's go, baby. Wow. I love that. This Texas pipeline to the NFL continues to strengthen. Doesn't stop. That was a bit. I, I saw that as, as I was talking. And I was like, oh my god, is this real? Let's go. I'm oh, so that's happy right now. Oh, man, that's the reason we have the award, man. This is this is great. This is great. Um, well, congratulations to him. I'm excited. Let's get him on the Chiefs. Let's just have all the ex basketball players on the Chiefs. There you go. Let's do it. Um, as they look for the next Tony Gonzalez, I guess. All right, we have Texas to talk about because what's a podcast if we don't talk about Texas men's basketball? Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen are back ish. They mm-hmm. have announced that they are returning. This is news because we thought Marcus Carr would be gone. And I think it's safe to say everybody thought Marcus Carr would be gone one way or another. Um, Timmy Allen is a little less surprising, but we also assumed he might be gone because it felt like Chris Beard was going to be clearing the deck. And it mm-hmm. felt like it was like, okay, this didn't work. Let's get a new slate of players in here. Well, jokes on us. He is actually planning to run it back, apparently. <laughs> so, uh, Marcus Carr and Timmy Allen are back. Uh, Trey Mitchell and Devin Askew have transferred out. So, those are two departures. And I actually like Trey Mitchell um, a decent amount. And Devin Askew obviously was a backup point guard for them at times. But uh, what, what do we make of, of the Texas moves? Yeah, I guess it just depends on what he brings around them, right? I wonder. In a vacuum, I don't hate Marcus Carr coming back. Um, I know obviously there was some things about, you know, we talked about his fit and like how he is he really maximizing his potential for the next level or whatever. And, you know, I still think there are questions about that. But with him and Timmy Allen back, I do. I don't know. The Big 12 is kind of rebuilding a little bit next year, right? I think this is, I'm trying to think of outside of TCU. Like, I don't know. Well, what category are you putting TCU in? Like his teams, oh, sorry, in terms of like bringing players back. TC, oh, I was gonna say TCU's not in the party. Like at the Big Twelve, like well, they just saying, made like, the outside, second round, man. Just, um, that's okay. what I'm saying. Like outside of TCU, I don't know who. Like Im- obviously Kansas and Baylor will be fine, but I'm saying like immediately right now, right? I don't know what those rosters look like. Um, TCU is the only other one that is like part of that upper echelon group that I can like say, oh, they're gonna be pretty good next year. I can guarantee that, right? Yeah. Uh, close to guarantee that. Uh, Tech's in a similar way. They're, they're having to replace quite a bit. And so I guess in, a, in that way, I like this because like 
you know, as we, as obviously we were frustrated with this offense this year and, and kind of the inconsistencies of this team. I mean, there's something to be said about bringing back your two guys and, and trying to work players around them. If, if at this rate, Bart Torvik uh, has uh, some projected contributors. And so of course, Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr on top, but then you bring in Dylan Mitchell is a five-star Jabari Rice, potentially Arterio Morris, Dylan DeSue, um, Brock Cunningham's coming back in his role, obviously fitting those guys around them. Like, you know, who the top two guys are, right? This year it was like, Oh, is it Andrew Jones? Is it Courtney Ramey? Is it Marcus Carr? Is it whatever? Trey Mitchell, you know, who the two guys are in this system now. Mm-hmm. I, I think it simplifies it enough to where they could potentially now, you know, I don't say be the favorite or anything, but like pro- I'd probably be one, I'd say top three in this conference at the very least which I think would be just number three at this point. I, I think the top two are probably set, but yeah. Um, I mean, again, I just don't know what the rosters look like. So like, I, you know, Baylor, again, Baylor's going to get their guy, but you know, I don't know. Like, Yeah. Uh, the whole thing with Texas is it looks like on paper, and obviously we, we, you, we they bring in the players that you mentioned, the talent level is going to be the same. I feel like it's what we've talked about before, and I'm not going to, beat a dead horse here with, with Chris Beard. It's going to have to come from Beard. It's going to, the change, the improvement, the, the figuring it out at Texas is going to have to come from Beard. And on paper, it didn't feel like Marcus Carr and Chris Beard was the right match mm-hmm. offensively, stylistically, pace-wise. In no regards did it feel like Marcus Carr should be on this team. But now he's coming back. So I can't put the blame on Marcus Carr because obviously Beard wanted him back, right? Like he wouldn't have came back if Beard was like, you know, explore your options. I appreciate what you did. Do, you know, here's no. my, does he come back if they get Kendrick Davis? Because like the fact that they were in for Kendrick Davis showed me that it wasn't a guarantee. I mean, how much better is Kendrick Davis than Marcus Carr? I mean, that's fair, but like, I, I'm wonder, like, I wonder if they get Kendrick Davis, if he's like, oh, I'm going to have to share the ball again. You know, like, yeah. so that, that's my thing is like, I wonder how much of a guarantee it was for him to come back or if it was like. So you're saying he probably came back most, not mostly, but he came back in part because he is going to be the point guard again, like the point guard. I think this is, yeah, I was about to say, he's going to be the guy again. And towards the end of the season, it finally looked like they were, you know, asking him to shoot instead of just, you know, actually just kind of distribute. But I do wonder if they do land Marcus Carr or maybe he, you know, they didn't make their, his top five or six. And so maybe they found out, pretty early that he they weren't in on him so they kind of i don't know if they shifted priorities back but the fact that they were in for mark for kendrick davis pretty early i don't think it was a guarantee that he came that he was coming back like and and so that's that's why it's an interesting proposition to me that's why looking at this team again on paper it's going to be the same thing this entire offseason is they're going to have athletes on the wings they're going to which I think is could be different. Like if we look at some of the five stars they bring in, I think they could be a little more maybe athletic. Um, I don't know in the front court how they're going to look exactly, but you know maybe they match up with teams better. I like Dylan DeSue a lot, so yeah, we'll, we'll I was about to say he he was that. I hope I really hope he's somebody who they just especially with Trey Mitchell gone. I don't know. I know they're not the same player, but they just take minutes from each other playing mm-hmm. that position. He, he's somebody that they just need. They probably need to start him at the five, to be honest. They probably I would love if they start him at the five. They just need somebody. And I get it. He clogs the paint. Trey Mitchell was a better fit. But I just think they need somebody in that position to where they can just lock down the paint, right? And so so that's 
it's going to be, again, a similar team. If you have DeSue, Allen, Carr, and then you sprinkle in whoever at the, the two, three, and the wings and whatnot, it's going to be a similar team. It's going to come back to Chris Beard one way or another, um, in my opinion. And that's I'm going to continue to beat that drum because I beat it the past year, basically, and it ended up being right. It ended up being where Chris, they just didn't stylistically – they can't compete with Purdue. You know, they can't compete with these teams that can put up 70 points, 75 points on any given night. So um, good for Marcus. Good for mm-hmm. Timmy Allen. I'm glad they're good staying in here. But yeah, good for Texas because it makes Texas very interesting uh, of a team. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I, it also says that Chris Beard isn't panicking, I think, to a degree. I right. think he believes in what he's doing. And he should. He's a great coach. Like, he is an elite coach. So he shouldn't be like, oh, this didn't work. We're in a completely change everything and bring in 12 new transfers no he said we're gonna work through this we're gonna figure it out so i think he takes the onus he knows what he did and or he knows the struggles of last year and so that's gonna be a a definitely a talking point for us moving forward and now uh if you thought we were hard on texas this past year (laughs) buddy buddy let them lose a game let them lose a game your two best players you're bringing in two five-star recruits buddy jabari rice from new mexico state we forgot to mention him Uh buddy (laughs) the standards don't lose a game don't lose i'm warning you now uh better not be a seat seat. hall we're we're coming back to talk (laughs) yeah don't lose the seat in hall again jeez um all right kevin o'banner comes back for texas tech which is massive i did not expect that at all massive 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 news uh terrence shannon is still in the portal so you have that but like kevin o'banner was better than terrence shannon this year i'm sorry kevin o'banner was oh, easily significant like kevin o'banner was part of the reason that this worked terrence i mean obviously um bryson williams was a huge reason this worked and he was a great player but that front court one-two punch was what made Texas Tech so dangerous. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited to get Kevin O'Banner back. They get Kevin O'Banner back. Uh, obviously, I think I'm assuming yeah, Bryson Williams has definitely exhausted his eligibility um, at this point, I assume. Um, but right. getting Kevin O'Banner back is is huge for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I, I'm really fascinated to see what year two looks like under uh, Mark Adams because – you know, it's easy to kind of run it back with a lot of the same players from last year, sprinkle in, you know, a transfer or two. But now it's like, all right, now you're really kind of living off what you can do and what you did this past year, right? There isn't no, there was, you know, uh, there was a factor of like, oh, you know, we can, kind of, we can kind of prove a lot of people wrong with this team. And, you know, you kind of had that factor going in. But now it's like, all right, now we're getting to the point where who, what is, what is Mark Adams' Texas Tech legacy now? You know, how, what is his pull to get people mm-hmm. to love it? Yeah. Uh, Departure-wise, uh, we are talking about Trey Mitchell and Devin Askew entering the portal. Adam Flagler and Matthew Mayer uh, entered the draft from Baylor. I think that was obviously expected. We'll have to see how Baylor reloads. Uh, Hassan Diara from Texas A&M entered the portal, which is is pretty significant uh, mm-hmm. to me. He was a key contributor on an A&M team that had like eight key contributors, but he was one of them on a game-by-game basis. And then Keontae Kennedy from uh, leaves UTEP. So you now have Keontae Kennedy and Sule Boom both gone. And that's not ideal. But I also think Joe Golding has a – and maybe I'm being, like, not, not hypocritical, but Joe Golding, after the year that they had, it felt like he was always looking at the bigger picture. Sure. And so that's where – 
we look at Keonta Kennedy and Sule Boom leaving, for us, I, I think we can both agree it's not great. You, you know, it's it's not as easy to win. But I think for him, looking at the bigger picture, when you're going up against, and I think this is only for like one more year, obviously, but still, when you're going against North Texas, Louisiana Tech, UAB, mm-hmm. um, and all these teams in the Conference USA West, you're like, okay, we need even more. Like, we need to get my guys in here to a degree. And I don't, I don't know if he has that reputation with us yet to where I'm 100% like, oh, yeah, man, just give Joe Golding his players and he's going to win. You know, he has to build up that trust a bit. But still, I mean, I think that's the feeling amongst uh, of what's going on from me of what's going on at UTEP. Yeah, I think they added, I want to say they added a New Mexico State player, uh, Mario McKinney Jr., um, didn't play that much for them, but it was, you know, that's one of their ads. They added a uh, Juco guy, Jonathan Dos Anjos. Um, and I think, do you remember that one press conference earlier in the year where was, I sent, I think I sent you the tweet or Joe Golding, like it was a yes. big, like, it was kind of one of those like non kind of coach speak, but probably the most like stern he kind subtweeted. of speak. He subtweeted throughout the entire season. If you were like playing. the basically the whole roster. <laughs> yes. But it was like, it was like a tweet. It was about a, it was a quote that was about like accountability and like, we got to get competitors in this program. And it was very much like a, I'm not necessarily going to try to hold on to all of these guys this season. That's- you know, it felt like that kind of thing. Yes. Um, and I think as we kind of predicted, they, you know, they were fine in terms of just like being competitive because they just had talent, but I don't think that was the kind of team that he wants to build. When we had him on the podcast, he raved about, he raved about being able to have the athletes that he couldn't have at Abilene Christian, right? Yes. With that being said, I think he wants, and this is just me inferring, guessing based on what we know. Mm-hmm it feels like he wants to kind of recreate that Abilene Christian identity, but Mm -hmm. with better athletes. Sure. Because if you can do that, then you're talking about a top 100 team in the country. Then you're talking about a a tournament team that Mm -hmm. are a team that can compete in this, at this level, because that's kind of what UAB, that's kind of what North Texas, that's kind of what La Tech have done, right? They've built these athletic teams that play defense that are real gritty, real tough. And that's kind of what you have to do to win in conference USA. Again, the new conference USA will be different, but in, in two years, but with this team, with this program specifically, I think he looks at those. And I think he looks at what he built at Evelyn Christian is like, that's what we need. You know, the 20 point scores are great. I mean, they, he won 11 games. He went 11 and seven in conference play. That's awesome. Awesome. year one. But I think he looks at it like from a big picture standpoint, be like, we need a certain type of guys in my program to be able to compete with North Texas, La Tech, and these other, you know, juggernauts in Conference USA West. So when, and when you look at it from that perspective, these moves make sense. And I think that's my like perspective on it. Sure. Yeah. I, I really like this is that this is one of the teams I'm excited most to see because it's still not going to be a complete process you know still yes. some growing pains and as he works through his system but this is like okay now because he wasn't in position to like cut everybody that rodney terry signed right he wasn't yeah. in a position where like no, no 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 i i'm gonna bring in a better team than this in day one it's like it's not that's not the kind of coach he is um but in year two now i was like all right let's see what a joe golding transfer like prospect looks like yeah 
Uh, other changes, uh, we have additions here. Jabari Rice to North, to Texas, like you said, I think that's a big deal. Um, I haven't looked at his game exactly, but still to be able to get a score from and a player from the New Mexico State team is, is a good he pickup. Be, he seemed to be a, a pretty consistent guy for Chris Jans um, at New Mexico State. So averaged uh, 12, 12, 13, and 12 points a game in uh, three years as a starter. And then uh, Jalen Bridges uh, commits to Baylor over Alabama, Michigan State, et cetera. Um, he uh, played for West Virginia the past couple of years. I don't know a ton about me. Six, seven. Uh, this this write up says a prototypical modern day wing with a seven foot wingspan, top athleticism, three point range, effective defense and rebounding. So, I mean, obviously, an all Big 12 player. This comes from a site named Sikkim 365. Shout out Sikkim 365. For the all right, the so Baylor just picked up another another Kendall Brown. James yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> all right, Kendall Brown 2.0 is now in right. the building. It's like an older Kendall Brown, which is like probably scarier. <laughs> um, yeah, so he averaged. I I don't see his averages here. Uh, eight point four points, four point eight boards, one steal, shot thirty three percent from three, forty three percent from the field. Uh, so. Yeah, that's good pickup. We'll see. I love this. I, I love the trend. Like, I don't know. Basketball to me, I love the transfer portal. Football's weird just because I don't know who's playing for anybody and there's like 75 people on each roster. Um, but basketball, I love it because like they can just, Baylor can just get a guy from West Virginia and be like, yeah, you're just going to play for us next year. <laughs> like, and like instantly the team, like you kind of figure what the team's going to look like. And it's like, oh man, this is, Baylor's going to be okay. Even though they didn't, you know, even though they lost a lot, they're going to be fine because they can just add an all-conference caliber player. <laughs> yeah, it is so – it is weird. It is very weird. I'm looking at his his uh, commitment photos. They got the national champion shirts on. He's got the trophy. Mm. Good for Baylor. They yeah. can flex that trophy around with every, every photo shoot. Every, that better be in every photo shoot. Every photo shoot. <laughs> like, it needs to be in every interview, Every everything. But uh, that's everything we got for the men's. Um, I don't think I missed anything. I went through Twitter, scoured Twitter last night looking, but I think we got everything. On the women's side, we have some some new some new uh, drama, I guess. Mm-hmm. Audrey Warren goes to Georgia, which I know we we theorized, um, but it actually happened. Audrey Warren to Georgia, <laughs> so I will see her in the SEC next year. Yep. I was hoping I, I was not able to get Kim Mulkey on the phone to, to call her up, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Audrey Warren heads to Georgia for last year. Best of luck to her. Um, that is pretty terrifying from an LSU and SEC perspective. Yeah. Uh, Katia Gallegos commits to Tulsa. Does die. Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. I, it's, I mean, I feel like everybody in that UTEP program just needed to, to wash their hands after right. what happened last year. So to Tulsa, good, makes sense. But again, we will not be talking about Warren and Katia Gallegos. Uh, we will be talking about Kayla White, though, who transferred from SMU to UT Arlington. That is going to be interesting because UT Arlington lost Taryn Milton, who entered the transfer portal. So keep keep up with me. Taryn Milton to the portal. Kayla mm-hmm. White from SMU to UT Arlington. UT Arlington keeps it going and is uh, going to be fun again next year. Even though SMU had kind of a hit or miss year, I, Kayla White's a good player. Right. I do want to hit one more thing with Georgia. Um, 
that's actually a pretty interesting hire because, or that's an interesting get because they've added, um, as we know, Joni Taylor, former Georgia head coach now at AM. Uh, they hired the UCF coach, Katie Abramson Henderson, uh, Georgia did to replace her. And she added, she took three players from UCF with her, <laughs> like three starters from UCF. Um, actually, two starters, I should say, and then one freshman. And so they're clearly like trying to build it. I think this is why Audrey Warren fits that is they're clearly trying to build a team that's ready to compete now mm-hmm. and or at least not compete, but you get what I'm saying, be competitive now yeah. um, in the SEC and adding somebody like an Audrey Warren to two players who played significantly for a team that went 26 and four last year. Right. Um, and got to the second round. I think, like you mentioned, Georgia's going to be, that's going to be a weird, an interesting team because I think that's going to be pretty kind of like sneaky competitive. You think team loses their head coach. Oh, what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. Hey, look, I don't know the way they're building this roster out. They're going to be fine. Yeah. All right. Uh, next Khadijah Faye enters the portal from Texas Tech, which is pretty significant. I liked Khadijah Faye. I liked yeah. her game. Um, I think on a Texas Tech team that didn't have anything of any consistency, uh, Khadijah Faye was usually pretty pretty on uh, in most mm-hmm. games that I watched uh, as far as her inside presence. Uh, now, we have big news here in San Antonio. Okay. Uh, Kira White... Now, it might not mean anything to a lot of listeners, but uh, being from San Antonio, I remember when she was at Converse Judson mm-hmm. and committed to USC, and she was you know, one of the top players in the country, 5'10 guard, uh, went to USC, was started uh, 22 games at USC, played 77, has transferred to UTSA, and Karen Aston has her first big-time get of her uh, tenure here. Uh, she only played 12 minutes a game at, at USC last year, but like, she is her talent is going to be that is going to be something that UTSA didn't have last year. Like, let's just, let's just be simple with it. Like it's Kira White's a different level player. So um, this is huge for UTSA. If Kira White can continue, can come in and play at the level, which I expect her to play at. Yeah, I I agree. I think that they also signed, um, I'm trying to think Alexis Parker from Brandeis. Uh, who was a was a she she kind of went under the radar a little bit. She put up a bunch of great numbers. Um, I think she wanted. I want to say she averaged a double double this past year. And I I like I like that idea of Karen Aston bringing keeping players home. Right, mm-hmm. like you got a Judson player, you got a Brandeis player. Um, you're probably trying to. I don't know. San Antonio is kind of an underrated hotbed, especially for women's basketball. But women's basketball more. Yeah, so than and I like I I I love that idea of like you being the first call for anybody wanting to come home either via transfer or in the case of Alexis Parker, you be somebody's first option in the city. Right. Um, I think we've seen that play dividends in in football for them. And I think it's something that they really haven't hit in basketball, um, particularly women's basketball enough. So I, I love the strategy. And as you know, we're fans of what she's kind of done this year. She took a team that was Absolutely horrendous and made them at least not a, uh, an, a cakewalk in her first year, which is doing a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, the last thing I have here is Stephanie Vischer has not made a decision yet. We have we went from a Kendrick Davis watch to a Stephanie Vischer watch, yes. and we have no news here. Any any tweets? I was, any, any tweets from I was just the, about to mention that I did not see any new tweets from our uh, Scandinavian Twitter account. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I am on the trail though. I am here. Let's go get to but, it. Uh, yeah, I do not. I did not see anything new. 
That's that. hilarious. Um, yeah, so if there's any Scandinavian news, news from the, our Scandinavian friends, or if our Scandinavian friends are listening, yeah. please feel please feel free to uh, let us know if there's any update on Stephanie Vischer. If there's another way to keep her in the state, because yes, please, we, that tweet, there doesn't can, seem to be. But yeah, you know, I don't uh, know. I don't know. Uh, according to the 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 three locations that they gave us, um, if she's staying in the state, but if there's anything we can do to help, please reach out. Um, but I, I think that's I think that's everything we got. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, I more transfer portal news, like we said. Uh, we're lining up. Some guests, I have a list of guests that I'm going to be reaching out to that we'll be reaching out to over the coming weeks. So once the transfer portal stuff cools down, which I expect, I expect it to start cooling down early, early May, uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll start hitting the, at least the guests. big news. Yeah. At least the big news. Um, like Stephanie Fisher, but yeah, once, once all that's done, we'll, we'll start getting into the guest uh, run here, but until then, uh, we appreciate you all for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. Check out the content at uh, textbasketball.com. I know uh, I saw Justin Carter did a story on the women's side for the fits of the NBA draft. So check that out. Follow us on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to our podcast. And we will talk to you all later.